From Relay FM, this is virtual episode number 35. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by the man himself, Mr. Federico Vatici. Hello, Mike. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very well. You sound very excited today. I'm always excited. Good. That's how I live. Just, I, I live just my life excited. Life of excitement, Federico yes. Vatici. I do, I do. I also like that on Connected you do the formal introduction, you know, the editor in chief, the, the the manager of, you know, all these titles. Uh-huh. And the virtual is just Federico Vitici, you know. I think I, I, like I, it. I, think I called you the man himself today. The man himself, yeah. yeah. That's not too formal, no. is it? Well, we're, we're much more chilled on this show, you know. Yeah, this yeah. Is, it's this our, is where we relax. It's our therapy session. It's our video game show. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a bunch of, it's like a casual talk between two friends so i'm having a great day today oh yeah you are why yeah, just because of that tim cook gif it was amazing i'm gonna put it in the show notes so when people look at the show notes he's just gonna be spinning his arms around and around and around i also kind of want to be a billionaire who can dance to pharrell you yep. know in front of a thousand people yep because the thing kinda is like the thing is about, about this gif is i'm not laughing at him i think no. he looks good but it he's makes got me the smile moves. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, you know, all the Apple executives kind of know what to do. Because if you look at IDQ and Chiller, and I think there's also Jeff Williams, they kind of, they're confident on stage, you know? It's not like awkward Steve Ballmer style dancing. I feel like they may have been given a little bit of a lesson today. (laughs) Seriously? Well, because they're standing up there with the dancers, right? They're on stage, and the dancers are doing the same windmill dance that Tim Cook Mm. and Eddie Q are, right? And they know that you can't do something like this with all those people and video not get out of it. So if they're going to stand up on stage and dance, maybe they need to be told how to dance, you know? Maybe it was rehearsed. Yeah, yeah I, if I was Tim Cook, that's what I would have done, especially after the Steve Ballmer thing, right? So, yes. you, you know, because he looked like a interesting person um, when he was doing his little dance. I'll see if I can find that for the show notes, too. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want to, I would, there's no way that I would want to, to, to end up looking like that. So I would get, you know, people to come in and help me out. Yeah. So for WWDC, you're going to dance and you're going to, you're going to, uh, you know, be a confident British man on stage. Yeah, I, I don't need a, any um, dance lessons. I'm pretty good as I am, you know. Oh, yeah, you are? Yeah, it's just no problem. I've got the moves. Okay, we'll see. Uh, I'm sure there will be... Uh, Steven will, will record a video for sure. Yeah. Um, Mike, do we have any follow-up this week? I know that we do, I just want to ask you. Yes, we do. Okay, um, tell me about it, because it's something that I think it's of your interest. Yeah, this is all Pokemon Rumble related. So um, first, there's a series of tweets that at Balloon Presents uh, said to me, um, I'm sad your first experience with the Pokemon Rumble series is the free-to-play one. Grab three, three friends and try the WiiWare version. It's basically meant to be a Pokemon version of Gauntlet. The new one is just really, really watered down. Even the full 3DS game from a few years back, Pokemon Rumble Blast, it has a decent one-player experience with less multiplayer fun. The Wii U one, Pokemon Rumble U, gets a little dicey because you need those NFC figures and is generally less inspiring. I forgot about that, the the NFC figures. So there you go. So it seems like this Pokemon Rumble is is not as good as the previous Pokemon Rumbles have been. It's basically the, the worst entry to the series you could play. Yeah, it seems like it. Which is sad, but um, so there we go. I'm going to have to try that out for Yeah, but it was interesting for, you know, to see Nintendo's take on free-to-play with uh, Pokemon games. I think you made a clever choice, Mike. Yeah, I mean, the reason I tried it was not to play another Pokemon game. It was just to experience the free-to-play nature, but it does seem at least that there are better games out there. Yeah. Which I should try out. So they also told us uh, about the the meaning of the rumbling. Yeah, because we would remember we were saying like, what does this even mean? Like, what's why is there rumbling? It turns out that the uh, like, well, I've had a few people say to me, rumble because they're fighting, so it's they're rumbling. Are you familiar yeah. with this term, like to rumble? I remember the game Ready to Rumble. Yeah, I that think it was a fighting game, so mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah, so you got to rumble, rumble in the jungle, man. <laughs> okay. Um, sounds like a good plan, Mike. Um, 
I got some links for you and oh, yeah? for our listeners. I do, I do. N not too many, but uh, a few good ones. Um, the first one is, uh, this is interesting and actually uh, made me think about a topic that I want to discuss in the next few weeks on, on the show. Uh, there's a new game that I, that I found on Kotaku and it's currently on Steam Greenlight and on Kickstarter. It's called uh, Songbringer. It's a Zelda-like adventure game with procedurally generated uh, worlds, entire worlds, not just the dungeons. And it's kind of like a mix of uh, Minecraft in that you choose a seed. So uh, there are multiple seeds and each seed leads to a different world. And also kind of mixed with No Man's Sky, you know, this upcoming game for PlayStation that we cannot wait uh, we cannot wait for that it's coming this year and there will also be focused on an entire procedurally generated universe. So this uh, song bringer, um, it looks like a, you know, it's the, looks like an indie game, you know, 2D retro graphics, uh, pixel art uh, all over the place. It's a nice graphic style, not too, not too original, not too groundbreaking. It's mostly, you know, it's, it's a mix of Fez and, and, and other indie kind of 2D games that we've seen in the past few years. But I like the idea of a full adventure game, you know, with fighting, with, you know, collecting items and exploration. And I like the idea of procedural uh, worlds being applied to, you know, not a puzzle game, not a crafting game, but more of an adventure game. And it made me think about, you know, the evolution of procedural game design and how it affects uh, traditional game design and what people think about, you know, the role of uh, procedural uh, design replacing, in a way, uh, the craft and the, the, the art of designing levels and designing game mechanics. So it's a topic that I want to explore because we've been, um, on the show, we've mentioned a few procedural games. Of course, uh, procedural game design is very popular in roguelikes and Minecraft like games so we've talked about a few examples and of course we were super excited about no man's sky and i think it's a to it's a topic worth discussing so i saved a few articles in my pocket and i'm looking forward to looking forward to doing a bit of a research for next week uh i've been using pocket lately you i know? just like you know i put some articles in my pocket you know keep them for later it's nice and safe in there yeah, in my pocket. That's actually, you know, that, that's what it is. I put it in my pocket. I think also the 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 the, the, the tagline of the of the service is "put in your pocket." I think. Yeah, so, it makes um, sense that they would that they would do that. Like that's yeah, a good, yeah. you know, it's probably the reason they named the company that. Yeah. Do you use Pocket or Instapaper? Um, I'm using Instapaper now. Oh well, uh, you don't read. <laughs> no, so. I don't read. <laughs> but when I do read, uh, you know, Pocket is nice for videos. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they well, they get. I did switch to to Pocket, but um, when when they launched, I switched to Pocket. But now I'm back to Instapaper because um, Instapaper had a bunch of iOS eight features. Remember? Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, they're doing they're doing some. I'm on the Instapaper beta, uh, and they're doing some great stuff for the next release, uh -huh. uh, which I cannot talk about, of course, but. Yeah, the, the Betaworks team, you know, the, the people who acquired Instapaper, they're really doing nice work, I think. Whereas Pocket, I think they're a bit slower with their new releases. It's like a different approach. Uh, yeah, two, two great apps. Pocket is nice for videos because they get these nice thumbnails and you can play them in line. It's, it's nicer for uh, more visual people like you. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I put a few articles in Pocket. Also, I think one from 2008. So I'm doing really, really, you know, deep research into the topic. I like it when I do research. As I told you before we, we began the show today, I like my research for, for virtual because it gets me to, uh, like, I get to use all my workflows and all my scripts to put together links mm -hmm. and, and the document that we use. So it's always fun. Um Another article that I read on Back Channel, which is this tech blog, uh, which is hosted on Medium. Uh, do you have a Medium blog, Mike? Do you know what? I don't. It's not. No, I don't have one. Yeah, because you talk, you don't write. You know. <laughs> exactly. The if, text, the text format is really not for you. My Medium uh, blog would just be audio files. 
<laughs> it would just be a, a, an audio snippet, uh-huh. a, a, no text. Yep. Um, so I read this article on Medium about designing games for uh, virtual reality. And there's lots of considerations to keep in mind where when designing uh, not just a game, but really any experience, I think, for VR. And of course, because, you know, the, transi- the transition from 2D to 3D 20 years ago uh, for video games, I think was easier than the future transition yeah. uh, from 3D to VR will be. Well, because like um, 2D to 3D didn't really fundamentally change the way you play video games. Like it maybe added some new controls in, like the sticks, you know, but they are a more easier jump than strapping something to your face. And, and being yeah. taken into this entire new experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 3D games... Uh, they change, you know, uh, a big change was the camera, you know, being able to to rotate the camera, change your perspective. I remember people went crazy when Nintendo did Mario 64 because it was so different, you know, from games before. And but for VR, I think designers need to keep in mind a lot of a lot of uh, limitations and also the fact that you can make people sick like physically sick if you don't design a game in a way that doesn't make you feel weird inside VR. So mm-hmm. there's this article on, on Medium. It's it's not too long and it's a, it's a good read about, you know, best practices when doing VR. And if you're a game designer or if you're just interested in, in VR in general, I think you should check it out. Um, I still have to try VR, so Oculus, you know. Uh, sure. There's a, I told you, I think there's a, there's a, a video game exhibition, kind of like a museum in Rome, and there's an Oculus room, and I still have to go. Um, I really should because I, I keep talking about VR and I keep watching videos and, and reading articles, and I still and I still need to try the Oculus. So I think I should go. I think I should go visit places around Rome more. Actually, you know, I, I kind of been stuck in my area, and Rome is big. And I feel like I need to explore more. Especially if there's virtual reality waiting for you. Yeah. Oh, you tried the Oculus. And now every company is doing VR just in the past few months. You know, we've seen Steam. Uh, actually, Valve, uh, what's the partner? Um, is it like LG? Or what's the partner of Valve? Uh, I think HTC, maybe. Yeah, HTC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're sending out free dev kits, aren't they? Did you see that? They are? Yeah. For free? Uh, Yes. That's nice. But obviously, I guess you have to apply. But yeah, VR developers can now apply for free HTC Vive uh, dev kits. Yeah, you should be a game developer. I should be. What game so would I develop, though? That's the real key here. Oh, it can be like one of those uh, artsy games about, you know, the life of a podcaster. It's It would be like... Oh, yeah. No... Uh, uh, what's the name? Papers, please. Yeah. Uh, so basically, it's just a guy sitting in front of a microphone, and you have to uh, pronounce words correctly in the right order. And you, you gotta to make like decisions. You know, you gotta talk to sponsors. You gotta talk to people. You gotta organize your schedule. You gotta deal with the calendar. It will be a fantastic game. I think it we will should... be called Podcasters, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see this game happening, honestly. Yeah, uh, you should do a Steam green light for this game. Podcasters, please. Yes, I can see. I can see. You know, it would be interesting, you know, especially to to kind of explain the life of a indie podcaster to to people. Think about it. There's games about anything. There's games about you know criminals. There's games about uh, you know. Uh, people who work in in, in offices. There's uh, games about being a family member. Now you can make a game about being a podcaster. Okay. Well, how do you make a game? Well, that's a great question, actually. Uh, (laughs) Well, I think... Okay, now, serious talk. I think the easiest way to have a relatively modern, popular... And cross-platform system would be Unity, you know, mm-hmm. especially because you can make games in Unity, and it's they run on I think also on Nintendo platforms at this point. 
and you can get Unity for free. I think there's a subscription, but it's cheap. Many years ago, if you wanted to, to make a game with Unity, you would pay thousands of dollars. And now the, the Unity dev kit and, you know, all the, the other resources, you can get them for free. And, and there's, a, there's a giant Unity community that, that you can ask questions to. Like, I, I know that you're not going to make a game, but if anyone, especially podcasters, please. But if anyone's interested in making a game, I think Unity would be a good start, you know? I don't know. We should have a, an aspiring game developer on the show and ask him or her about how to get started on making games. And then, or or you could just learn to make a game for iOS and Android. And if you go iOS only, you could use Metal and you could use all the the game uh, APIs that there's uh, on iOS. It's very easy to I, get, to make a decent and popular game these days. Not popular easy. in the sense. Not popular in the sense that you that you no, I mean, but if you if you think about twenty years ago, just these the 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 struggles of getting a I don't know a PlayStation dev kit or to make games for a Nintendo platform, these days you can make a game even if you don't go with the traditional console route. But if you just want to make a game that runs on hundreds of millions of devices, you just you, you buy a book about Objective C and Swift, and in a, in a I mean, you're not stupid, so you can you can learn, and in a couple of months you can put something together. It's easier than in the past. I'm not saying that it's easy, and I'm not saying that you will you will make a popular game, but you can make a game that can be popular because it's easier to make it, and because there's the app store. You should really consider podcasters, please. I can't imagine podcasters, please, really needing to to utilize metal. Why not? You can you can have a really accurate uh, representation of your Mac Pro and your desk, which I know is quite messy. So and it's glass, be... right? So I imagine you probably need some pretty good all the effects. reflections. Yeah, is, exactly. You, you you would be able to recreate all the all the stuff that you have on your desk, uh, all the cables. It would be it would be really nice looking. Hmm. There must be a game about making podcasts or a game about, you know, radio shows. I bet there's there's a game about this sort of media uh, and communication over radio. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a game of everything these days, you know? They're going to steal our idea and make a game about podcasters. Hmm. Yeah. You know, you can, you can have big, like, you can you could have big, uh, like, challenges, you know. I want to leave a network and I want to make my own podcasting network. <laughs> you could manage resources, talk to people. It would be like, like, Papers, Please, mixed with The Sims. And, you know, what's the name of uh, those uh, those games where you, like, um, like SimCity, where you manage resources. Yep. You got to make sure that people are happy. So instead of, you like know, managing talent, citizens. Like other podcasters are my resource, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. So, I, you know, <laughs> I have to, you know, make sure that I'm topping Federico up with pasta, you know, to keep him to keep him happy. <laughs> uh, then I have to make sure I send out the checks every month, right? Uh, like there's mini games during the live shows and you you have like three seconds to to press buttons and tell people when they can find the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> you have to you have to type it in like a like a typing <laughs> trainer or something. You have to make sure that you're uh, that you can accurately resize gifts and stuff like that which I'm doing right now like whilst the show's going on and you have to keep your like you have, you know you have to keep everything uh, keep, keep everything going. I like this. This is really good. We and should, of course we then work you work on this. Seriously, and then you could, you could manage uh, your finances. You could you could you know uh, how much money do I want to pay for Slack? Do I want to pay for Google Apps? Do I want to pay for hosting? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it could be for the domain names. I mean, there's so much so much potential for all the resources that you need to manage and the choices you gotta make. This is awesome. Doesn't sound like it, but you have a complex career and life. I- no, I, it, I, I do have a very complex life and career. That's correct. I wouldn't want to say, you know, um, I wouldn't want to call it like it doesn't sound like it, because that makes it sound like my life's easy, but it's not, you know. Yeah. Anyway, after this idea, um, this how did this start? 
I don't um, know. I don't know. We were talking about VR, and suddenly we're talking about podcasters, please. Uh, anyway, uh, my, my last link for today's show uh, is a new documentary about esports. Uh, it is called All Work, All, Work, All Play. Mm-hmm. And I found it on an article on The Verge. It's a, it's a documentary that was shown at the Tribeca. Tribeca. Tribeca Film Festival. And The Verge says that it's a, it's a nice documentary and, and it's focused on, uh, you know, uh, exactly what esports is and the life of, you know, uh, players in the esports scene. And it also makes the argument that like comparing traditional sports to esports and whether, you know, the way that these games that people play in the esports scene today, whether they will last in the future or not. So this was interesting to me, not just because I'm fascinated by the whole esports industry. And, and, and I think we talked about this before. I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the skill of these, you know, uh, really expert players of some games. But uh, also, you know, game preservation is a, is a topic that we often discuss on Virtual and Connected and, you know, how software will be uh, preserved in many years from now. So I was, I was thinking, you know, is it possible to imagine that in 20 years, uh, you know, a kid uh, comes across a YouTube video of a, of a, of a League of Legends uh, player uh, like a like a really skilled player from 20 years before really be able to to emulate his moves in league of legends in 20 years because i'm i'm thinking like if you're really into into football you can go to youtube and you see you know the best goals the highlights from a specific player and if you're if you're a young player you can try you know to be inspired to do the same moves to do you know the same to try to recreate uh the legends of 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 a specific sport from many years before but in 20 years from now if you're a young kid and you're fascinated by your favorite esports star will you be able to do the same or will you have to you know find an emulator it's a really different scene and it's really weird when you try to compare you know traditional sports and esports and you know game preservation and all these factors into play it gets really really messy i try not like your kind of documentary though it is exactly exactly that's why that's why i wanted to i wanted to talk about it today so I mean, the emulating part is interesting, right? Because I assume that there are people that do that because you end up with, like, the people that learn the tricks, right, when trying to do speed runs and stuff like that. That's kind of an emulation, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it, I don't know. It gets really, it's really confusing when you... when you Because I, I think about this a lot, like emulators and how to keep stuff around you know software wise for the future and like uh, there's organizations that are thinking about this problem uh we we talk about the the internet archive often on the show it's a really complex problem to solve and 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 also there's a very basic question is software really worth saving for the future you know because there's so much software, there's so much, uh, you know, apps and games and stuff that's not necessarily worth saving. And if you try, like, you need to be extremely careful uh, when you think about, is this app, is this game worth preserving and going through all the trouble, you know, saving a game to a physical a physical form factor, like to a disc? Do I really want to make a backup? Do I really want to make sure that in 20 years this game will be playable by other people? And there's also like another initiative that we that we mention often is the is the MoMA uh video game exhibition by Paolo Antonelli. And so there's people with uh, much, much more uh, resources and really clever people that are thinking about this problem. And I'm, I'm fascinated by it because I, in general, I think the challenge of making software last just like matri- material things can last is a fascinating problem, you know, the, the, this kind of just juxtaposition of 
the digital and the physical world it's fascinating for me but if you if you it's a rabbit hole if you think about it too much you see all the issues with this so i'm just gonna watch the documentary and and try not to think about it too much i'd be interested to hear what you think of it though see if it pushes those buttons for you yeah yeah i'm not sure when it's coming out actually um I, I need to I need to go to the Tribeca webpage and, and read about this documentary. Talking about documentaries, uh, Game Loading is now out. Do you remember the Kickstarter documentary? Yes. Yeah, yes, that's I out do. now. Oh, nice. Um, I, can, can you buy it? Can you stream it? What's uh, what's the deal? You can buy it online on their on their website, GameLoading.tv, and uh, I have my Kickstarter backed copy. I haven't watched it yet, but it's now out. So this is the the documentary about indie games. You, it's available in a bunch of different places, and you can you can buy it now. Very nice. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Nice, nice. Yeah, I I like video game documentaries. I like this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to buy it. Thank you, Mike. No problem. Let's take a break and thank our sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. Why invest in the best devices if you're just going to use them to look at an internet that looks like it's stuck in the 1990s. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to have to look at something that all you can do is just update your HR policies and fill out expense forms. That's the traditional boring stuff that 90s intranets was basically built to do and they look disgusting and nobody wants to use them and that's where Igloo can help you. With Igloo, you're able to share files, coordinate calendars, provide status updates, manage projects, manage your tasks and everything. It allows you to work better together with the people that you work with whenever you want, wherever you want, on any device you like. Because Igloo works fantastically on iPhones, iPads, desktops and everything. Wherever you can get up to a web browser, Igloo's going to look great because it's automatically optimized for every device with the use of responsive web design. Igloo have recently upgraded their document engine. Um, it's with their recent release that they're calling Viking, which is a great name. I've added the ability to track who has read critical information to make sure everyone's on the same page. And they've also made their document preview engine even more powerful. So everybody can, you basically, it's all in HTML5. You upload documents and it keeps everyone on the same version, you know, because you're not... You're, you know, you're able to take a look at them there. You're not like downloading, uploading, downloading, uploading all the time. So you can make your changes that you need. You can put your comments in and everyone's going to be able to see them right there. And it keeps everyone on the same page. Um, Igloo's really, really cool. I love some of the social stuff that they have built in. You can have like your own little micro blogs and everyone can comment on things. And it feels like basically they've taken the things that we're used to doing on the web these days, like a bunch of the social stuff, and they brought it over to a work intranet as well. So you're able to like basically to talk to people in the way that you would like to talk to people. It's really cool. If your company has a legacy internet that looks like it was built in the 1990s, you should be giving Igloo a try. Igloo understands that love doesn't just happen overnight, so if you sign up right now, you can try out Igloo for free for any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. So go sign up right now at igloosoftware.com virtual. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Michael Federico, that's your name. That you've nailed it. This is you just leveled up in podcasters, please. Because <laughs> you got my name right. So, topic zero point five. Oh, I we feel are, like we're bringing we're in going, a connected versioning number here. We're going the um, we're using the the Stephen Hackett style book mm-hmm. style guide, mm-hmm. um, and going with the zero point five. Just because it's a mix of follow up and you know more on a previous topic. So I felt that the 0.5 was appropriate. Um, Apple Watch games. So we talked about this last week. And uh, this week, of course, there's been lots more Apple Watch uh, app approvals on the App Store. And among those app approvals, a lot of games. Mm -hmm. So listen to me. There's FIFA on the Apple Watch. What? (laughs) Modern Combat. A Minecraft Utility. Um, 2048. Uh, le- a lot of letter uh, games. There's all sorts of stuff coming to the Apple Watch. Okay. Now, let's look at some of these. So- okay. So there's an article on 9to5Mac with a nice roundup of uh, screenshots and some of these games. So if you take a look, uh, let's see, for instance, Modern Combat. Uh, 
it's a it's a shooting game uh, for iOS, iPhone and iPad, and you know it's a first-person shooter and very nice graphics on iOS uses metal and it's from GameLoft, this video game company that does a lot of mobile games these days. And so on the Apple Watch, you get this companion experience and it lets you change classes, it lets you uh, customize your, your gear and weapons and it also lets you like receive notifications for events you sign up for. Okay, this that's is not too bad. That's not too bad because yeah. last week we talked about, you know, kind of uh, accessories to the main, to the full game, like companion experiences that... Uh, give you controls on your wrist. Yeah. So this is one example. I'm not sure, you know, because if I'm playing a shooter, do I really need another screen to customize my weapon? Do I really need to have the, uh, you know, a game companion on my wrist for a shooter? So game? I'll tell you where this could be interesting. Tell when, me. When the game's loading. When the game's loading. See, we don't know if that's how it works. Yeah, but if um, it did work like that, so you're waiting for the game to load on your iPhone, and whilst that's it's loading, a good idea. you can change your your weapon. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. I also like the... Uh, I'm intrigued. I don't necessarily like... I'm intrigued by the idea of signing up for events and getting the notification on the, on the watch mm-hmm. uh, because it's, you know, where you customize your inventory, your gear, weapons, so you get also invites... It's interesting, but, but there's there's more. Uh, rear racing, uh, engage your team driver to race events, collect rewards, and progress your career. I don't know what this means. It's it's a very PR talk here. Uh, but there's a <laughs> there's a tap to continue. There's rewards. Uh, I think it's like a second screen. This for looks the... like a um, like a team management game, like a sim. Mm-hmm. Because it's saying that you can start racing and view the result, and it's your team driver. So I assume that this isn't you. Maybe you drive in your team, and then you know you, there are other people in your team, and you have to like tell them to do things. Does that make sense? So it's like imagine uh, there's four people in a team, and you race in the game, like on your iPhone or whatever. But you can also request that other people in your team race, and you don't actually compete in those races. It's more like a simulation. So that's what this looks like. So you're saying like, uh, um, this we need to simulate a race for this person who's not me, but is also in my team, and then you get to see the results that they made. Hmm. Does that make sense? Am I making yes. sense? Yeah, so yeah. This yeah. looks as the same kind of thing as FIFA. It looks like because in FIFA you can have like a ultimate team, so you can manage your top five players, transfer your transfers, and get in- instant notifications. So maybe like, you know, like these football manager type games. You familiar with this class of game where mm-hmm. like you you play as a manager or something it's basically a statistics based game and you're like trading players between clubs and stuff like that yeah and you simulate matches and get the results oh, and then buy and trade I... players and stuff i got a great story about football manager okay uh, so, um how old am i am i oh, okay 27 so uh, how many years ago was that? Like 15 years ago, maybe. So when I got my first PC, mm-hmm. uh, 12 or 13, uh, it was a Windows PC, you know, I wasn't into the, the Apple scene at all. I wanted to play video games on a PC. So one of those, uh, the, the first video games that I bought was, uh, I think, one of the football managers or maybe mm-hmm. championship manager. I think. Championship you know, manager of, sounds right. Yeah. Championship manager, yep. probably. So I was terrible at the game. Yeah. I'm not sure why I would want to play the game. I was just, you know, intrigued because I used to kind of be into soccer in Italy. So I was like, yeah, maybe I can try to be to be a manager. And I was terrible. And I used to play I used to I used to lose all the matches because I didn't know what I was doing, you know? So what I would do is I would turn off my PC every time I would lose a match before the saving screen and I kept on turning off and back on you know just to make sure that I wouldn't like lose my my job in the game and because I because I did that too many times I broke my PC you know like uh, turn off with a you know with a proper shutdown oh right so you're skipping the save right skipping the, no I was actually just pulling the plug yeah, you, you, sorry. Um, like you didn't want to, you failed, so you were unplugging. And like you know, so you get um on Animal Crossing, you have a little resetty. 
you remember him? The little mole that pops up and was like, yeah, it seems yeah. like you turned the power off. Yeah, but there was no no. There's no mole in, in Football Manager, no. No, and no. and so my, my, after a few a few weeks, my my PC started displaying issues. I think with the with the hard drive. Yeah. So I I I I lied to my parents to get the PC replaced, and uh, and I didn't tell them about about the game what I was doing to 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 you know to kind of trick the game. And I never told them, and they bought me a new PC because I lied and I and I told them that I needed it for school, and and I felt really bad about it. And uh, yeah, that, that was my story. Hmm. Um, I, I know that you that you and your and your family like my stories, so I feel like every time something comes up, I need to mention it. Uh, we, so th- it's the thing. It is the thing. My my brother mentioned to me the other day about one of your crises. I, I can't remember which one it was, but <laughs> they, they very much enjoy hearing your our therapy that we go through yeah, every yeah. week. Yeah, and I, I should probably tell my mom about the uh, what what happened really with the first computer. Uh, they, they, they never knew. She's like, oh, I broke it on the way. Yeah, by the way, do you remember, like, mom, 15 years ago, <laughs> was my fault. Um, <laughs> you know, better, better late than never, so. So a couple uh, of the games in this list are actually from friend of the show, underscore David Smith. Yes. He's made a couple of games, because you know what he's like. You know, Oh, me- yeah, he's first on everything. He has how many? He has eight apps. So I put, I put a link to his other blog post. He's got Pedometer Plus Plus, My Recipe Book, Audio Books, Feed Wrangler, Pod Wrangler, Watch 2048, Watch and Repeat, and Watch Tip Calculator. It's got in there. It's crazy. Yep, I I see his his model here. I'm I'm actually quite interested to talk to him about this because me and him uh, we had a beer in in London once and we were talking about 2048 and threes, mm-hmm. and he was like, um, he he knew that threes was a more popular game, but people played 2048 because it was free. Mm. So it's quite. I'm interested to see that he's made a 2048 right because that's probably going to do quite well. People love yeah, and especially because especially because you're you're the first one on on to to have it on the watch. Yeah, twenty forty eight you know? is actually on the store as well, though. I've seen that coming. Oh, it it's is not in this list, but it is also going to be there. Hmm. I mean, David is a smart smart He's guy. Very, you know? He is extremely smart, and, and I like talking to him on Inquisitive because he has a real smart mind for business. But do you think? It makes it makes sense to have these games on the watch. I don't know if they're going to be any good to play, but they're there. I, I think his other game, Watch and Repeat, makes more sense. So this is basically a memory test game. You've probably played something quite similar to this. Like it will flash a set of lights mm-hmm. at you, and you have to hit it back. That feels like a much more quick, casual game. You can play like a level of than Twenty Forty Eight. When I was when I was on my plane back from America last weekend, um, I was playing Threes, and there was a guy next to me playing Twenty Forty Eight, and I was shaking my head at him. So get get the real game, man. Come on. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Maybe we could have underscore on this show to talk about those to see and see like that's after, a great idea. After he gets the watch, to see what he then thinks about them. Because obviously he has developed these about the watch unit himself. So I'm I'm interested to idea, see how he feels actually. about the playability of them. And you are get you and David, I think, are getting an Apple Watch soon very soon mike yeah i'm hoping that mine will be here tomorrow it says it will be so i'm gonna download all of these games and try them out and you can be a reporter on the field yep i'll be a roving reporter (laughs) um so anyway um what did you have to say um all these games um, i'm still unconvinced basically about the idea of a full smaller but full game on the Apple Watch. I'm more curious about, you know, these companion apps, these accessories, this uh kind of stuff that you that you keep like inventories or menus or notifications, you know, not just a game on your watch because if you need to to look down at your uh, your watch and you know play a game on a, on a on a small screen, why not just use an iPhone which is more comfortable and you know it's easier to play. Um, but I'm, uh, you know, we're still in the guessing territory here. We don't have a watch. You will have a watch soon. We can talk to David. I think we should we should circle back on this topic, and it's gonna be a, another one of those things on virtual Apple Watch games. Um, 
you know, I, I, it's interesting. There's a lot, lots of big companies making games. I mean, I saw FIFA, I was like, come on. Uh, then I saw Modern Combat, and, you know, there's a Minecraft game that lets you craft on the, kind of on the Apple Watch. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff. I think most of that is because of the novelty of the device, you know, and also to be first on the App Store, to be noticed, and to get the, the, the oh my God, that's also available on Apple Watch kind Whoa, of factor, the, and you get people to play that just out of curiosity. Right? Yes, and will it be any good? That's, that's, uh, that's uh, one of the next challenges of virtual, is to understand this world. Something um, that I'm very surprised at, and we'll probably talk about this on Connected, um, is how many apps are being updated for the watch. I didn't think there would be that many, but it seems like every app I own has been updated with watch support. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to and be terrible. In a, in a, in, I think so many of them are just going to be so bad. Yeah, because we were, I think with Steven, um, we were talking about this a few weeks ago, and he, and he told us that it was going to take... Uh, a very slow approach to yeah. installing apps on his Apple Watch, and we assumed, well, there's not there's not going to be many apps anyway, so it'll be easy for you. Uh, but that's not true because there's a, over two thousand apps already, and I, I'm just seeing right now on Buzzfeed, which is now also kind of serious website for Apple News, uh, they have a tech section, and they're saying that the the App Store for the Apple Watch is launching today, which makes sense because it's Thursday, which is when Apple updates the App Store and the Apple Watch comes out tomorrow. So today, the App Store section in the Apple Watch app on your iPhone will display uh, the App Store for the for, for the watch. That makes and sense. You want to see it beforehand, right? Yeah. You want to see tonight, you know, you got to install apps and tomorrow... Uh, when when you get your Apple Watch, you 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 know you configure the Apple Watch and you get all the apps automatically. Makes sense. So there's a there's a game section. See, I'm on BuzzFeed like right now. That, that they've got screenshots. There's a screenshot and there's a there's a, a first image of a of a games. Uh, I assume a curated section by the App Store editorial team. So I'm curious to see which games they're gonna recommend. Uh, of course, the first banner at the top, it's a health and fitness uh, section, which makes sense. There's Twitter, the New York Times, a music app, there, there's Keynote, and then games. So Apple seems to believe that you, you should be downloading games on your Apple Watch. Uh, we'll see. Well, whether they think it or not, they'll they'll be there. Do you know what I mean? They're going to be there, so you may as well promote them because it's what people are, gonna, are going to look for. There's like a guy at Apple in charge yeah. of picking games for the Apple Watch yep. and it's like whatever all the time maybe just, picking just put it all in I don't even care man just whatever <laughs> and he's like throwing up in a trash can um, it's actually just thinking about it this this might be showing up for people that have a watch because hmm. I bet someone at BuzzFeed has one right so maybe mm. if you have a watch because when I look now it just it still shows me the watch pre-order yeah, now but so maybe once you this look it, like these look like press images to me. Good evening. You know? If you have an Apple Watch, you can pair it with your iPhone here. You know, I think these are images from Apple. And to today at your 9 p.m., so my 10 p.m., hmm. uh, the App Store will be live in the Apple Watch app with the weekly App Store refresh. Cool. And there will be games. Lots of games. I love that there's a thousand fonts in this Watch app. There's just like a, a just there's just like a different font for every letter. It's crazy. There's so many. It's like three fonts, not a thousand. I know, but it's crazy that there's like one screen has like three fonts on it. I know why they're That's, doing it. Cause... Are you a font expert now? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, because I, I understand it, I actually understand it, but I think they should have just gone all in on San Francisco. Well, it's gonna happen, right? It's gonna be. Well, gonna yeah, be... I, I I expect the iOS nine. You know, now that you. Mention fonts. You know what's also one of those things that is super niche, but that's like I'm super fascinated by the design of game interfaces and text menus. Like how to properly design a game interface. Like you know the start screen or like the pause screen or yeah. the inventory, and not just you know the icons or the graphics. Like the entire like fonts and the layout. Super. I think I saw a few months ago there was an article, or maybe a roundup and a comparison between uh, the design of uh, interfaces in different games. I I should also explore 
this topic. Hmm. This is what I do. I, I come up with super niche and weird ideas for virtual. And you listen to me and you say, yeah, that's cool. But in reality, you think I'm crazy, which is fine. I appreciate no, your... I your... like the depth that you go into. <laughs> that's a very British thing to say, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I appreciate your kindness. Uh, I will explore this topic. I don't care. It's fascinating, right? I mean, you get to design, you get to pick fonts for games. Like, what if I'm in in a, in a rush in The Last of Us and I need to? And I, I think actually The Last of Us is very has a very uh, well done interface. Uh, not too many fonts. It just based on buttons and icons. Uh, but it's fascinating to think that there's people whose sole job is to design interface and icons and text labels for video games. This is, th- like, the kind of stuff that I think about, you know? Yeah. But, that, mm-hmm. that you know, you're a details man. Am I? Well, clearly, if you're thinking about the interface <laughs> buttons and fonts of, <laughs> of start screens. Point, point taken. Um Anyway, because I mentioned the last one, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about Apple Watch games. Once you have an Apple Watch, because I want I have an Apple Watch anytime soon. Uh, this is another story. I'm super sad. I try not to think about it. We will try to have <laughs> we'll, we'll try to have David on the show because he's the, he's the man when it comes to new Apple platforms and making apps for new Apple devices. And in this case, he even made games. Uh, so we will have the good underscore on virtual, if we can. If he agrees. If he agrees with us. I have to talk to his um, PR manager, you know? Mm. Interesting. Does he have one? Uh, no, I don't think so. He might have one now. I don't know. But he didn't the last time I spoke to him. But you never know, mm-hmm. you know, these developers these days. <laughs> you know. So I finished The Last of Us. Oh. By finished, I don't mean the completionist kind of finished. I don't have all the achievement. completed the story. I completed the story. Right. I saw the ending. Now, what do you want me to do, Mike, here? Because you told me, sure, you can discuss the game. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, I guess... I I, I want to hear it, because if I ever finish it, it's going to take a long time, because I'm not even... It's not even on my radar right now. Um... So why don't we talk about it? Because, you know, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. And I guess if we talk about it now, then people can stop listening. Okay, so this is the spoiler-filled virtual section for The Last of Us. And if you haven't finished The Last of Us, now it's the time to skip quickly to the ending where we get to uh, say goodbye. So, The Last of Us... Yeah, you can just stop listening too, but... No, no, you should listen to the goodbye. Okay. Makes you feel good. Okay. Um, So, The Last of Us ends with a big lie from Joel to Ellie. Basically, you spend the entire game, of course, traveling with Ellie across the United States. And initially, your relationship with Ellie is very kind of cold. Because your Joel is like, I need to, to take you someplace just because it's a job. Just because I promised and I want to keep my word. And, but, you know, we're not friends. We're not family. And the, the game is about this, the changes in this relationship. Which uh, we, over the, the, the chapters of the game and as you move across seasons. So the game is structured in a way that it's winter and then it's uh, no, I think it's summer, winter, spring. And you go through different seasons and different cities and locations. Mm-hmm. So over time, you get to uh, become more attached and closer to Ellie. And you can see very clearly, they never say this to each other, but you see how Joel starts seeing uh, his daughter in Ellie. And because, you know, he's a... He becomes his father figure in a way because he lost his daughter. His daughter in in the game's first scene, you know, uh, the daughter gets shot by a police officer or by a soldier. Actually, I think. Yeah. So, Joel is twenty years pass, and Joel is very cold and very, you know, we don't know what Joel did in those intervening years. We only catch like a couple of sentences from characters who say, "Oh, you know what this man did." Uh, so he's a very, you know 
in theory, a, a man who did a lot of bad things. He killed a lot of people to survive. And initially, his relationship with Ali is very cold. During the game, uh, because of you know uh, a few reasons, uh, you, you become more attached. And you can see that Joel starts caring about Ali. And at one point, Joel gets badly injured. In a, during an escape from a, from a, from a building, he falls off uh, of a balcony, and uh, there's perhaps my favorite section of the game is those two minutes where basically you cannot control Joel. Actually, you do control Joel, but Ellie is helping me. Is helping him um, like walk out of the building while people are shooting at you. Mm-hmm. So you control Joel, but he cannot walk. So you can walk slowly and like you fall on the ground and there's Ellie like taking you uh, out of the building uh, mm-hmm. while people are shooting. And it's very like, it's very fast and, and the controls are different because Joel is like walking really slowly and he's bleeding. It's, it's a very, it's a very high pressure uh, emotional section. And you get to es- escape because Ellie gets you on a horse and you escape from this building and then there's a, uh, the cutscene and then there's like black screen uh, winter. And when you start playing again, you are, you, you're, you're taken to, um, basically you're led to believe that Joel is dead. Because you're controlling Ellie on a on a snowy mountaintop while you're hunting a deer with your you know with your arrows and so it's 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 a really clever trick. But eventually mm. you get to understand that Ellie um, is helping Joel find some medicine because he ma- she managed to to save him you know with patches and stuff. So because of this, the relationship changes deeply. And the next uh, chapter is that Ellie is taken by a group of uh, bandits. And there's a very rough scene at the end of this chapter where there's a a guy who wants to kill Ellie. And at one point, uh, he tries to, you know, take advantage of her uh, sexually. And Ellie stabs him in the neck and... Because she gets really angry, of course, and she feels in danger. And she continues to stab the guy while he's still dead. While he's already dead. And Joel sees Ellie crying, and it's a very powerful scene. Joel sees Ellie crying and just stabbing repeatedly this guy. And he he hugs her. And he's like, it's it's okay, baby girl. And, you know, don't worry, I'm here. And she's like, he tried to, you know... And he's like, don't worry, don't worry. And there's, it's a very powerful cutscene. It's very rough, and you know, it's 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 it, a guy dies, and you know, there's a, there's a, an attempt at sexual violence. Uh, but it's very powerful in the sense how it changed, like you can see the relationship evolving. And then you get to the final section of the game, and this is where I'm, where I was most impressed. Um, I was uh, I was assuming that The Last of Us would end with a big fight or with a big, you know, final boss or maybe you get to see the source of the virus. Instead, you find the hospital where the Fireflies, which is this rebel group where you were supposed to take Ellie because they had doctors that could run experiments on Ellie to find, uh, you know, a solution to, 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 to understand what's going on with this virus. Uh, because Ali is immune. And you arrive at this hospital, and the the woman, Marlene, who's, uh, who was expecting Ali, she takes Ali, and Joel wakes up, and he's uh, being held, I won't say hostage, but it's basically, there's a, you know, a gunpoint, there's Marlene and, and one of these fireflies, and she's like, don't worry, you can go now, we got Ali, we're gonna run experiments on her, uh, she's already preparing for surgery. And Joel gets really upset because he's like, what do you mean surgery? Uh, you know, the virus, the cordyceps uh, grows in the brain. And she like, the Marlene looks at him and she, she doesn't say that we're going to kill her to do the experiment. Uh, but she's like, you know, that's what it takes. And of course, Joel gets upset. So there's no final boss. There's no big monster. There's no, oh my God, I need to kill the source of the virus. It's basically Joel alone in this hospital, 
completely overtaken by the fireflies and you need to go through three floors of uh, I think 50 guards and it's super like hard to do at least it was very difficult for me uh, because you're you're basically outnumbered by by the soldiers and of course I took a stealth approach as I mentioned last week because I I love it and so you get to to the final room which is the operating room and this is the the final really section of the game where you control Joel um, there's three doctors and there's Ellie on the you know on the operating table and they're about to perform surgery and you break into this room and the doctors try to you know kind of stop you and when they see that you have a gun they they throw their hands up and you can decide what you want to do and i i chose to kill them all well you know at, at you know just... <laughs> I kind of felt bad killing a doctor because I do respect doctors very much. But um, I was really, you know, I was really stressed because of all the fireflies that I need to to kill. And I was like, I'm into this room. These guys are, you know, they don't have a weapon, so I'm just going to kill them. So I just walked slowly towards each doctor and I shot them in the face. Okay. (laughs) As you do that, I, I felt really, I felt really relieved in doing that. You get to the final cutscene, and that's when the big lie happens. So, Ellie, uh, actually, before the final cutscene, you're driving away from the hospital, and Joel explains to Ellie that um, he had to save her because they wanted to kill her, and that it didn't matter anyway. Uh, because she wasn't the only immune person uh, on earth she wasn't the only one and and he's like i didn't i didn't want them to kill you because i care about you and it's not like i i I basically gave up on our chance to save the world because there's other people like you and that's the big lie ellie ellie is like are you sure is that the truth and joel is like yeah so there's the final cutscene. uh you return to Tommy's town, which is your brother, Joel's brother, um, and as you're approaching the town, you're looking down from the top of the hill, Ellie knows that you lied, and she looks at Joel, and she's like, Joel, you need to tell me the truth. Do you really, did you really save me? And is it true that there's other people like me? And Joel lies. And, and and he hands saying, I swear, this is the truth. So the game's ending is not about a final boss. It's not about, you know, a big scene like you need to die to save Ellie or you need to kill Ellie. It's a very selfish story in the end. It's the story of a man who got his daughter killed uh, many years ago and a man who had to survive for 20 years. And uh, 20 years later, he gets assigned a job to take this girl who's immune to a virus to another place. And during the progression of the game, you become attached to this girl. And you start seeing your daughter uh, in this girl, you know? And the ending is very human. It's very non-Hollywood ending, you know? It's not a big fight. It's not explosions or big sacrifices. It's... Uh, the st- the ending, it's a, it's a man who lies for his own feelings, for his own emotions, because he wants to save the girl that he sees as his daughter. And I love this choice. I was kind of disappointed initially. I was like, man, is this game really over? There's no final fight. There's no final boss. But it left me thinking. I know it's it's an absurd situation, you know, a virus that basically you know, kills the entire planet. But there's a there's a very deep meaning in the story of a man who is like, whatever about the world, I want to save this girl because I love her. And it's 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 very natural. That's the word I keep coming to. It's very it's a very natural ending. Who would, you know, have his daughter basically killed for the sake of saving humanity? Would anyone do that? Would a parent do that? 
Um, so I was really surprised by the ending. And uh, overall, The Last of Us, as I told you and our listeners over the past few weeks, is a flawed game in the sense that as a game, so as a, as a thing that you control and play, has many stereotypes, has many uh, video game tropes in the sense that Okay, there's a room full of bad guys and you need to kill the bad guys. You can use your shotgun, you can use your stealth approaches. And then there's the cutscene and then there's, you know, you walk across a a series of corridors and you get to another room and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But as a a story, it's excellent, I think. Uh, Excellent acting. Uh, The cutscenes are not too Metal Gear solidish in a, in the sense that there's no complex plot. Yes, it's they're very not, they're not cripplingly complex. Then, no, you, no, nobody can understand at all what's happening. No, it's it's not you know hundreds and hundreds of lines of, of dialogue. It's more based on you know brief cutscenes, brief dialogues, a lot of uh, visual expressions. And gestures. It's it's really well done acting for a video game. And the story, it's a story of parenting, I think, in the end. It's a story of choosing what to do if something bigger than you is asking to sacrifice your own daughter or a person that you really care about, what would you do? That's the final question to, in the, of the game. And the answer of the main character is, I choose to lie. And it that's powerful, I think. It's really powerful. And uh, overall, uh, I'm I'm super happy that I bought a PS4 to play this game, and now I'm playing the DLC, which is the um, it's called Left Behind, and I'm about I think a couple of hours into the DLC, and it's about the the contrast um, between two different time frames. Uh, you control Ellie in both instances, but during uh, one section you control Ellie before the entire events of The Last of Us. So while she's in military school and she's a, you know, she has a friend whose name I don't remember right now. I think it's Ridley or something. Uh, So it's about the relationship with Ellie and this friend who eventually dies because you're told that during the ending of the main game. Um, And the other section which you jump between these two time periods uh, constantly, you know, in the DLC. It's uh, when Ellie is finding, trying to find at least the medicine for Joel while while he's injured. Uh, so it's a contrast between these two time frames. And it's really interesting so far, but I, I, I need to play more. And again, overall, Last of Us, uh, great graphics. So do you feel satisfied? Because it yes. doesn't sound to me anyway very satisfying as an ending. Like listening to you describe it, um, and I think I mean that because it's not a video game ending. And also, I mean, the cynic in me would say this sets the sequel up really nicely. Uh, probably. But I don't... I am satisfied. Are you asking if I'm satisfied by the ending or by the game? By the ending. Because mm. it feels like an awful lot of build-up to a... Yes, it's a, it's a lot a of build-up non-ending. <laughs> you know? It's a. I mean, of course, you need to experience, you know, the final scenes and the pressure and then yeah, the it's relief. Probably, I'm missing the emotion, which is clearly yes. what the game is hinged on, and, and maybe that's the thing. Yes. But looking at it objectively, it kind of feels like a. No, because we can't kill I, one of our main characters. Ending. When I was pl- no, it's not really that way. I I am satisfied, okay. and I'll tell you why. Because when I when I was playing the final section, so I was killing. I mean, I killed the last soldier. I had no weapons left, no health kits left, yep. and I killed him with a brick. I literally threw a brick to his head. Because I assume you really didn't want her to die, right? No, not at all. Exactly. I mean, it would so do that's, that. that's that's the resolution, I guess, right? Because you really didn't want her to die. She didn't when die. I, after you kill all these soldiers, and it's it's a really difficult last sec, final section, you get to the operating room and you see these doctors, and you're like, you know, I I can't say it, but you know, I'm Screw just gonna guys. kill you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and okay. I just want to save her. Well, and maybe so, we're looking at it a bit wrong then, because maybe you that actually was the final boss, you know. 
the final boss fight was you getting through that hospital. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Because I, I was saying, as you play the final section, you get all this pressure and all this kind of, I need to go there, I need to get to the room, I need to get to the room, and there's all these guards, and oh my god, I don't have any weapons left, I don't have my any health kits left, I can't craft any more bombs or molotovs. So it's a very, it's hard, it's a hard section, and, and there's a lot of pressure. You get to the room, and then you save her, and then they're driving in the car, and, and he's lying, and I was like, is he lying? Is, is it for real? Is he telling a lie? And, and... And in, like this, the first couple of minutes, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing this. And then you like as I was like I was staring at my TV and the final, uh, the, the you know, the, the, the final scene, I was like, I kind of get this now, you know, because he's like he's he feels like his father. And what kind of father would do that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's like the I think it's like the lost ending, the TV show. It's it's a very I think controversial and ending like it's not a from a traditional blockbuster kind of sense it's not a it's not a satisfying ending but the meaning I think is is excellent like it left me thinking to, to this day like a week later I'm sure. still thinking about you know what would I do and then maybe that's probably why people love it so much. I guess I'm just looking at it coldly, right? With no real attachment. Like I've not played the characters for so many hours. I'm just wondering how it looks. But looking at it now, talking to you through it, I can see like the final boss fight was getting to the end and you've played with this character and protected her for so long. You don't want her to die. The same yep. as, you know, you have a similar attachment to the attachment Joel has. Yeah. Interesting. What well, that's a very yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. I, I do wonder how much of it um is is sequel related, but hey, gotta make yeah, money. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, thanks for letting me share my final thoughts. No, it's good. It is good. I mean, I probably won't complete it now, but I probably wasn't going to anyway. In all honesty, I haven't. So yeah, so I probably was never going to get around to it. But I have it here. You know, one day I can go th- maybe can maybe go through it. But I don't see that happening in a. Uh, in a uh, in the near future. Gotcha. Great. So, um, if you want to catch our show notes for this week's episode, included in that great uh, Tim Cook gif, you can check in your show notes, uh, your podcast app of choice, or go go to relay.fm slash virtual slash thirty five. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Igloo. Uh, for helping us out with this episode. If you want to find us on Twitter, Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and I am I-Mike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.